I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Wednesday, July 31, 2019. It is Fed Day. It is Kabuki Theater. We are looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. And you can't help but notice where the low of the day was. We have to cover that right out of the chute. 295.48 was important to the chart. It's important to me. In my book, the market thinks that particular price level is important. To me, that's a breakout area. To me, today the market came down to retest a former breakout area. 295.48 was our number. That's a make it or break it number. We'll talk more about that in a moment. But right now, let's take a look at where the low of the day was today. The low was 295.20. Just a few pennies below 295.48. That's our line in the sand. That's our make it or break it. Daily close below that level, no good. Hourly closes below that level, no good. What's below there? What are we looking at? Well, the market or the bulls may not necessarily let the bears take the ball so fast like they did this afternoon. Again, we'll talk more about that as well. But what you do have is a gap down here, and that becomes rather obvious. You have a 50-period moving average down below that, coinciding with another gap. So there's your next area of opportunity slash if the market, and it's an if the market came down to that area, you would likely find market support, just like we found at 295.48. Couple of things. Let's roll back the tape a little bit, and let's cover what happened and what the different scenarios are going forward that could happen, that typically do happen, following the Fed follies like we saw today. So the Fed came out with their quarter basis point interest rate cut, That's fine. They said whatever they said. I don't listen. I don't care. Let me explain the reason why. Let's say today the Fed said no more interest rate cuts. That's fine. But we all know that if the market continued to go lower, the next time the Fed met, they would cut interest rates. In fact, they would start to tell you they're going to cut interest rates before the next meeting. That's the way it works. On the flip side, let's say they said they were going to cut interest rates three times this year, and the market continued to rise. About a meeting or so from now, they would scale that back, saying they may not have the need to raise interest rates another two or three or four more times, whatever they say. So the reason I don't listen to the Fed is because 100% of the time, they're going to change course. So what difference does it make what they say today? Now let's go over a couple of different scenarios. Let's say there's follow-through to the downside. Do they have to get to that gap? Do they have to get to that gap right away? Not necessarily. This afternoon, the market became a rodeo ride. It doesn't happen every time after the Fed, but it's like an earnings announcement with a stock. You don't know exactly what's going to happen until it starts to happen. So we've talked about this. The market jerks around for a while, it picks a direction, and it goes. We mentioned that a number of times. That's pretty much what happened during the day today. Here's an intraday 15-minute chart, and I guess I take part of that back. It just stayed up in this range for a little while. 
and then it fell away. But it never really jerked around as much as it did. It never actually went higher than it was when the Fed made their announcement. So that's interesting. Does it really mean everything? Not necessarily. Let's get back to the different scenarios. Let's go back to the daily chart. So let's say there's some follow through. Let's say they make it look good. They make it look like they're coming down hard tomorrow morning, for example, Thursday morning. Could they reverse course, make it look good, go back up and close back above 295.48? Remember, it's the close that's important. The close for me at 295.48 is the make it or break it. So if they probe down below that price intraday, but yet close back above it, that's still okay from a daily closing perspective. Closing hourly below that level, one hour, then two hours, then three hours, then you can see the story unfolding before your eyes. Let's switch it around a second and talk about the other side. Another scenario that happens quite a bit is, all of a sudden we show up tomorrow, the market starts trading higher, They brush off all the negative activity from today and we just get back to business. That happens all the time. So we have to be aware of that. That's for me why 295.48 was so important. To me, the market ran down, made a quick test of the former breakout area and traded away from it pretty rapidly. That's generally a sign of bullish behavior. Even though it looked bearish at the time, the market was down a lot of points at the time, all that is true, but at the end of the day, what are we looking for? We're looking for things that happen over and over and over again, and for a market to come down and test a former breakout area and immediately trade away from it, to me, that's normal garden variety market behavior. Even though it happened in rapid fashion, it's still garden variety market behavior. We can just chalk it up to Kabuki Theater accelerated the move. By the way, has anything happened to the uptrend as a result of today's activity? Not really. Just because we're below the 20 period moving average doesn't mean the uptrend was damaged. Here's your weekly chart. In terms of this week, it's just down a little bit, but look where the low is. Look where home base is. What's home base? The 20 period moving average. Yeah, we're far extended or maybe a little far too extended from home base. But that doesn't mean that any damage has been done to the uptrend. The market is still in an uptrend, period, full stop. Can all that change? Of course it can change. Market has to turn from somewhere. From where I sit, daily closes below 295.48. And again, we should have another top in place. Let's take a look around the horn at some other charts. Again, staying with the SPY. Here's a 240-minute chart. Looks very similar to the daily chart. We know about that. We see the gap. We came down to test a breakout area. There's really nothing new on this chart. However, we should note that on the 240-minute chart, we are now below two of the four moving averages that we were above when the day began. So we did close below the 50. We tested an important price level. To me, that has more weight in this case than the 50 period moving average. But nevertheless, it's of note. It's a puzzle piece. It's on the table. What about the 120 minute chart? Well, you see here, you start to see the same story develop. 
again, now below three out of the four moving averages that we were basically above or at least on the last one at the beginning of the day. So again, that doesn't look bullish. It looks bearish on this chart. That would turn the trend down. But again, one simple pop higher early in the morning on Thursday, and it negates everything I just said. That's why I'm not putting a whole lot of weight on these moving averages right here. I'm putting way more weight on 295.48. Hourly chart, same story, just a little bit worse. You see how all the charts get worse and worse the shorter the time frame that you go down. We start at the daily, the 240, 120, now hourly, and you can see price gets below more moving averages each time we go down a time frame. That's telling you that there was pressure on the market in the short term. It's obvious. I don't mean to be Captain Obvious, but just trying to transfer the way I'm looking at the charts, the way I do look at the charts, so that we can all utilize this information going forward. Remember, all charts act and react the same way. It doesn't matter whether we're looking at an S&P 500 chart. We can be looking at a chart of Apple. And yes, we'll cover Apple. But first... Let's take a spin over to Camp IWM. Very interesting. Let's just look from a visual perspective what the obvious thing that happened today was. Price spiked higher and also took a visit all the way down to the 20-period moving average. But where did we close? We closed above the trend line. That's a weekly trend line, but here we are on Wednesday. There's two more days left in the week. Are we going to close above or below the trend line by Friday's close? It will be extremely important. If this was a one-day rope-a-dope coming down to test a former breakout area and all of a sudden it's back to business and we go higher, you're going to see the IWM take off to the upside along with everything else. Where would we be going? Well, the IWM would have its sight on the double top area right around 160 or slightly above initially first. But the SPY we talked about yesterday, that would have its sights set in the neighborhood of 304. Looks like we're very, very far away from that today as opposed to yesterday, and we are. However, again, just always be aware of the rope-a-dope. Who manufactures the rope-a-dope? It's the trick, trap, fool, and frustrate crew. All I'm saying is that we've seen this before. We've read this book before. Anything goes around the Fed. Anything goes the day after the Fed. The market can be up tomorrow. The market can be down. And neither one would surprise anybody watching this video. And therein lies the reason why it becomes a fool's game to say, here's what the market's going to do tomorrow. I'm sure of it. And that reminds me, I'm going to have a litany of emails and comments coming underneath the video about the I told you so's from the people that said the market was going to go down after the Fed. Not that they were ever going to be right or wrong. It was just a guess. We all know that. We've been over this over and over and over again. There's a business and there's a guess. I'm trying to run a business and then there's also the business of guessing. I try and stay out of the business of guessing and stay in the business of doing what the market is telling me it's doing where we really have the 80-20 rule in our favor. Nobody had the 80-20 rule in their favor post-Fed. It was a coin toss. That's just the way it is. Before we move on, I think it's worth it to look at the hourly chart of the IWM. Now look where we are relative to that trend line, same thing, 
But also, look what happened early in the day. Somebody thought, buyers of the IWM thought, the market was going to take off to the upside. Now, the IWM ran up. Was this just a retrace of the move from the low of the day this morning, the 1030 candle right here? That low happens to be 154.71. Did we just retrace a portion of the move and we'll have another ensuing move higher? That's very possible. It's always possible. I'll tell you what, as long as the IWM stays above this trend line, it's bullish, period, full stop. Might as well take a look at the weekly chart of the IWM while we're here, just to put everything in perspective. While we talk about the trend line, technically speaking, we have two, not one, but two breakup candles to contend with on the downside. So if the IWM should fall, you will see support at one or both of those breakup candles. What am I talking about? I'm talking about these candles, one and two. So even though we spiked higher, came back, we're still above the trend line, but if we do come down, there's still some bulls that will fight the cause at the lows of the breakup candle. That's the way it works. Didn't we see that yesterday in the transports? Yes, we did. We'll get to those in a moment. But first, let's take a look at the VIX. Do we collect the VIX down around 12 or below? Yes, we do. Now, how do I reconcile that with the fact that we've been discussing a bearish pattern? I'm going to explain. So now, we've broken out of the top end of the channel. We filled the gap. We closed above the gap. What does that do to the channel? It wipes it off the table. Where did we find resistance, overhead resistance? Right around these pivot highs, garden variety market behavior. If it's not going to find resistance at the gap, you look to the next logical area of resistance and you see those pivots up there. You don't know exactly where or which one it's going to stop at, but the general vicinity is where it's headed. So here we have a VIX that looks like it's breaking out and we have a market that just came down a stock market that is, that just came down to retest a former breakout area. Is it going to be a test or will they fail the test? That's the $64,000 question. Let me get to the answer for the other issue, which is how do you collect the VIX down in the 12 neighborhood and talk about a bearish pattern that it would go lower? And here's the reason. Collecting means I'm willing to buy multiple prices, willing to buy 11, 11 and a half, 12, Below that, of course, but here's the reason why I collect it, because these type of moves, 15% in one day, three days from 12 up to 16, those type of moves happen out of the blue. You have to be in the VIX to participate. Chasing it is a very, very difficult thing to do. Chasing any chart is near impossible to do the majority of the time. And here again, the 80-20 rule applies. 80% of the time when you chase something, you're going to lose. Sit back for a second and think about the times that you've tried to chase a stock. The emotional draw of the market gets you in at or very, very near the end of the move, at least from a short-term perspective. The stock or the market or whatever you're in then begins to pull back. You think you're immediately wrong. You're immediately in the red. You sell the position thinking, ah, that was dumb. And then it goes up after the fact, after you sell it, it goes back up. Markets ebb and flow, as does our emotions, but that 
is essentially what happens when we begin to chase a chart. You tend not to think clearly. We take a loss on the first trade, and then we want to get back in to get our money back. We take a loss on the second trade, which compounds the issue to begin with. And here goes a pretty bad day in development. We've all been there. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. Why do I talk about it? So that you don't do it. Taking a stop down at the transportation department, not a tremendous amount of information going on, but we got a very similar type of chart that we had yesterday. Here's an hourly chart. So let's put in perspective where we are. Here's a breakup candle low. You can see what happened yesterday. We talked about it. We came down in the vicinity, in the ballpark. We didn't get to the low. Today, we got lower, not to the exact low, but lower. And look at that rocket ride from the low of the breakup candle. Is that just testing the low of a breakup candle? Or was the move higher from that area the rope-a-dope? We'll find out tomorrow. But look at here. As long as price doesn't close below that low, this is still bullish believe it or not let me show you something different here's a 240 minute chart forget the trend line for a second focus on the breakup candle again same low same breakup candle but look at it on a 240 minute chart all we're doing is working our way sideways building energy to make another move higher when doesn't that happen if we close below the low of the breakup candle period full stop So what's going on here? Normal garden variety market behavior. Despite the news, despite the Fed follies or Kabuki theater, despite what anybody else ever says, all we have is garden variety market behavior. Do we see anything different in Silicon Valley, in the tech sector? Not really. The like area to the SPY is right here. So we did the same routine. We didn't quite get to that area in the spider. We got through and then reversed from beneath that area. In the QQQ, we came up short of that area. That's interesting. Is that bullish or bearish? Actually, that's bullish behavior. That's what we call a positive divergence. Not too many traders, not too many analysts would make too much out of that. I'm not making a lot out of that. But guess what? I'm putting it on the table as a small puzzle piece my table it's my puzzle remember bitcoin mentioned this the other day still going won't waste as much of your time as i did yesterday so therefore about seven seconds back to something important the financials not that bitcoin isn't important if you own bitcoin it's extremely important i didn't mean to offend anybody above the 20 period moving average in the xlf so we're above all the moving averages so technically speaking if you didn't know anything You didn't know the Fed had an announcement today. You didn't turn on the TV. You didn't watch any blogs. You didn't read any blogs. You didn't do anything. You just showed up, looked at this chart, and said, oh, the XLF was down 19 cents. It's above all the moving averages. It's bullish. It's in an uptrend. No big deal. Okay, move on. And guess what? That's it. Not so much for the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index today. The SMH got taken out behind the woodshed and shot with that three-barrel shotgun we have. So yesterday, we hung around that gap. We talked about it a little bit. We said we didn't really get some kind of a move or a good bullish move away from that gap. And here we go today, down $4.50, almost 4%, right into where? Home base. It's pretty remarkable how that happens. We talk about being extended from home base just a few days ago. Markets like to come back 
and pay a visit to home base. They don't always have to come back inside to home base, but they generally won't get too far away from home base. So what that means is sometimes they'll go sideways, eat some time off the clock, let home base work its way up to price in this case, or sometimes, in this case, they just run down and come back to visit home base. What's the takeaway? Well, the semiconductor index is a pretty darn good proxy for the tech sector. So here's the takeaway. It's a puzzle piece. It's on the table. It's negative. It's leading the tech sector in the negative direction. It cannot be ignored. It's a medium to larger size puzzle piece. It's on the table. I neglected to run through some volume specifics. So let's run back and do that. So look at the volume today on a down day as compared to the light volume, the less than the average 90-day volume that we've been experiencing for quite some time. So today we had over 100 million shares on a down day. There was participation on the downside. Now, you have to chalk some of that up to the Fed, obviously. People get wild around the Fed. There's a lot of participation. There's jockeying for position. So that accounts for a lot of the volume, but it doesn't matter. You look at the chart, and what does the chart tell you? Forget the news. Forget everything else. We were down on higher volume. It's a puzzle piece. It's on the table. If the market never closes below 295.48, it remains bullish in an uptrend. That's fine. If we close below 295.48, I know what's going on. That's the way I'm going to handle this. How about gold? I know we have some gold watchers out there. We'll discuss the gold chart. So what's going on? Gold sells off after the Fed We don't have to discuss the news items around it, the reasoning, inflation, no inflation, this, that, and the other thing. It doesn't matter. Here's what the deal is. It's still bullish. It's still in a breakout. Can we consolidate or come back a little bit, in a little bit, sell off a little bit, work off some of the overbought condition? Of course we can. Am I looking to get long gold? Actually, I am. I would begin looking at gold somewhere in the $1,410 to $1,400 neighborhood, but I would also be willing to buy gold lower. So if I was going to step in, it would be more for a longer-term position looking to hold it because of the breakout. Now, if the breakout falls apart and we get back inside that trend line that I've showed you before, we're not going to go through it tonight. You can reel back the tape and go back to some old videos, but we are on a breakout. So until and unless that changes, I am looking for entries in gold. Long-term play. Not a couple of weeks, not a couple of months. So therefore, I don't really care about $10, $20, $30, $40 in the price of gold if it's on a long-term breakout. Almost forgot to cover Apple. We looked at this last night when Apple was ripping higher. So it got above 220. Let's just take a look to see what the high of the day was. 221.37 and it reversed. So let's look at an intraday chart first before we talk further. We can use the hourly chart for this one. So that's a reversal. It's a tail candle on the hourly chart. You had somewhat of a retracement, almost 50% up the tail. And then it fell apart. So what do we read into this? Well, nothing yet. Apple still remains in an uptrend. They can certainly do a repair job if they choose. They meaning the market participants in Apple. We were pretty far extended from home base. We just talked about home base. It's the 20 period moving average, the red trend line. So maybe we're just coming back in to check in at home base, fill the gap, something like that. 
that's possible, could certainly remain in an uptrend. What's the other side of that equation? The other side of that is a bear case. So for that, let's go take a look at the weekly chart. We need to see more real estate. Now the picture changes a little bit. We were trying to break out above this high here, which comes in at 215.31. We broke out above intraday, could not close above. That doesn't mean we won't close the week above that high. We have two days left and they certainly could do it. It's a couple of bucks away. It's not a big deal. But what if they don't? What if they put in a tail candle on the week, close below that high, you would have another lower high. That's not good. That's a bear case. See, I have a high, a lower high, and potentially, we don't know yet, but what happens if you have another lower high? Typically, you're going to see a sell-off at some point from another lower high. Not right away, not all in one gulp, but lower highs on a continuous basis are not ideal for the bull case. However, we must recognize Apple is in an uptrend on the weekly chart. So even if it came down to test the 20-period moving average, it doesn't necessarily change the trend. It's complicated. Whoever said this stuff was easy. I'm just doing the data dump. Everything I see on the chart, I'm happy to share with you. I want you to see what I visualize on the chart and the methodology to which I go through the analysis. And that, my friends, is the place where I will pull the ripcord tonight. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. And please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is Common Sense Market Analysis.